literally my whole world opened up and the penny dropped, like the big penny dropped and it just went pew and everything fitted together. I just, it makes me so emotional even talking about it. And I was just like, wow, like this is what I wanted to do. Like this is everything. Welcome to the Restore to Explore podcast hosted by your soulmates from the Foot Collective. I'm Nick. And we're on a mission to empower humans to restore natural health and function from the ground up so they can explore movement and live life with freedom and confidence. This week, I speak with Rena Harris, who's a natural podiatrist from the United Kingdom. We start by talking about Rena's story, about why she became a podiatrist, and her journey towards discovering natural podiatry as an alternative method to conventional podiatry. She talks about how her experience with pregnancy impacted her and reinforced the innate intelligence and capacity within her body. That insight led her to think differently about feet and ultimately shift how she practices podiatry. We talk about natural footwear, restoring function of the feet, and how her current approach is based on education instead of orthotics. We finish up with Rena sharing some words of wisdom with conventional podiatrists who might be looking to take a different path with their profession. Rena is a really great storyteller and I enjoyed this conversation with her and hope you do as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to TFC's Restore to Explore podcast. Thank you for joining us. We don't take your attention for granted, and we appreciate your time. I'm Nick, and today I'm hosting a conversation with Rena Harris. So, Rena, thank you for being here and taking the time to share your wisdom and your story with our community. Oh, thank you so much, Nick. Um, I'm so grateful to be here and for your time as well. And to come on here and share my story. And um, yeah, this has uh, been a journey and a half. So yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, look forward to it. Awesome. My honor. Um, so this is your first time on the Restore to Explore podcast. And so people who might not know you, uh, let's start with just sharing your story uh, with listeners in our community. So you know, who was Rena Harris? What does she love to do? Uh, and why did she choose to become a podiatrist? And you can make this as long or as short as you wish. And uh, yeah, it's all yours. Ah, okay. My story. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, been a really kind of long journey, to be honest, both on a professional and personal level. Um, so this is not just about what I do, but kind of, you know, about me as well. Obviously, um, I really love what I do now. Uh, but to get to this stage has taken quite quite a bit of time, to be honest. So just a bit of background. I've come. I come from quite a sporty, sciencey family, and um, I was always encouraged to do sport, um, and I enjoyed uh, studying sciences and stuff like that. So at university, it was about um, when I came to choose what I wanted to do. It was about kind of either doing physio or podiatry at the time. And what I knew, one thing that I knew was that I really wanted to stay at home, study from home, because I, don't, I didn't want to be in a lot of debt when I <laughs> graduated. Um, I wanted to stay in London. And the universities that I was looking at, one of them being UCL, where my sister went, I was really keen to go there. And um, they did podiatric medicine there so I think the reason why I chose podiatry was because there was a, an incentive to be honest um I did I, I I wasn't sure so I think this this actually made up my my mind 
And uh, the incentive was that they were giving massive grants. So I guess to lure students in, uh, which meant that I lived at home, studied podiatry, got this grant from them and had a part-time job. So I actually ended up with no debt when I graduated, which was amazing. Um, and obviously I really enjoyed the course, you know, at podiatry school, you know, you learn everything, so everything is interesting. And why I really enjoyed was the practical sides of, of it. What does podiatry, um, just sorry to interrupt, but just out of curiosity, because you're in a UK context, what does a podiatric medicine um, degree look like in terms of like, how long is it? What are the requirements to get in? What did you do to um, be able to get into the program? Just out of curiosity, what does that look like? So the podiatry course is uh, a three-year degree. And um, to get in, you need either kind of A-levels or kind of some kind of, uh, uh, yeah, A-levels, which basically means it's like a college degree. We call it college here. Um, and you have to choose all like the sciences, like the, you know, physics, biology, uh, chemistry, and if you want like maths or whatever, and you have to obviously pass them and, and that's kind of how you get in. Um, and at, at school you learned, you know, we, two years we spent, we did a lot of the lectures with the, the medical students, uh, medics, we called them. And we did like, you know, physiology, anatomy. Uh, bisection, uh, uh, bi yeah, uh, dissection or bisection. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, re I really enjoyed that. It was, um, you know, we biomechanics, uh, all, all the subjects. But like I said, a, a big part of it was the practical side of it, where we actually um, treated real life uh, patients. Um, and this was, I think, where that grant came from, because it was a bit of like an apprenticeship where, you know, they paid you this money, and you actually treated real patients, I guess people who had their time to come and spend two hours with these students. Maybe you had something, something similar when you were studying physiotherapy, but I think that's how they kind of ended up paying us for it. Um, and, you know, and we learned to make orthotics and all this stuff. We didn't learn much about the business side of it or the outside world, because the way it's structured here is that we are very much encouraged. I don't know if that still happens that, but we were at the time that when we graduate, we go and work in the NHS. And um, in the NHS, what you're doing is mainly general care, which means skin and nails, skin and nail pathologies, uh, minor surgeries, wound care, diabetic care, etc. So uni was interesting because you did a bit of everything, but then going into the real world and the reason I think, you know, they do encourage you to go into the NHS because they did also feed us this idea that biomechanics is hard, it's complex, therefore don't really pursue it. So, you, you know, we didn't, I didn't have, I don't feel like I had many skills when I went into the real world. So like all my peers, I ended up going in the NHS, working for two years. And although I gained a lot of experience. I think it was good experience at the time as a new podiatrist clinician. Um, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it one bit, which really spurred me on to get out of it and do what I really wanted to do. So then at that point, so I did, uh, just before I finished, actually, I started, uh, I did a, a course, uh, postgraduate diploma in a different university up north where I traveled during the weekend. 
and it was in uh, podiatric biomechanics. And I thought that's going to give me more insight and experience and knowledge. And unfortunately, it didn't very much either. It was very theory-based, not very practical, and I love the practical side of things. So um, I think that was meant for people who are obviously independent learners, they learn the theory, and then they go and apply it into their practice. But the type of patients I was seeing, it was in biomechanics and sports, sports injuries. So I couldn't really apply it. Um, so I don't know. I, d I didn't think I got much out of it. But I was really determined <laughs> to get out of the NHS and, and do what I, why I did podiatry, which was mainly for the sports side and biomechanical side of it. And, and, um, and then what I did was basically I did work experience, volunteered my time. I reached out to a lot of podiatrists who are in the field of um, sports medicine, sports injuries, and biomechanics. And they were actually really nice. They welcomed me in and, you know, showed me around. And, you know, I gained quite a lot of experience from them. And, you know, just by watching them, how they do things. And I think I learned more from them than I learned from um, <laughs> my postgrad, to be honest. Um, and... And what happened then? So yeah, I, I did this experience for about a year. Didn't get paid, obviously. I was just making coffees and cleaning up after these podiatrists, which I didn't mind at all because I was in the place where I wanted to be. And, and then luckily, one of the podiatrists offered me a job. She was going on maternity leave and she was like, do you want a job? I don't know if I'm dragging on too long, by the no, way. I'm just is, telling you my perfect. whole life this story. This perfect. <laughs> I, I, I actually think um, the... You know, at TFC, we're really big believers on the power of a story. And to be able to relate to someone, you have to ha actually understand where they're coming from and how they got to where they are. And so the more details you can, I mean, if the entire hour is just you telling your story of how you got to where you what are today, <laughs> uh, that's still good. So yeah, just keep okay. telling the story. You're a great storyteller. <laughs> Put all the details in there. Um, cool. So um, she went on maternity leave. She gave me kind of half of her patient load and she had someone else working for her, with her or for her at the time. So that's, again, when I learned a lot and, and the way it was structured, because that, that's then obviously the private sector. So I'm not working in the NHS anymore. This is a private sector, um, which is not easy to get into unless you know people or what have you, or you've got lots of experience. And for people who and, aren't in the UK, NHS is the government, uh, like National Health Service. Is that what it's called? Absolutely. And then, National Health. And so that when people come to see you through the NHS framework, and that's covered by the government versus private as people are paying out of pocket, I assume, or private insurance? Insurance. Gotcha. Yeah, Pri mostly private insurance, but also out of pocket. So it depends if they have private insurance or not. Some people do via kind of their job and work, uh, but a lot of people are paying through through their pocket as well. Um, and in the NHS, you know, you don't really, they don't really offer sport, like uh, uh, treatment for like sports injuries. It's not that advanced. They, they're treating kind of, you know, people who are really uh, kind of, who need a lot of care, like diabetic, cancer patients, old people who can't maybe cut their nails and they're growing hard skin or what have you, is callous. Uh, that's, that, those are the type of people that are growing there. If you have a sports injury, don't even bother going to the NHS. <laughs> you have to go either pay yourself or, you, you know, you have hope if you have insurance, then you're going through that. Um, so I work in this clinic for a couple of years. But then when the podiatrist comes from maternity leave, she takes all her work and leaves me with nothing. Mm. 
literally like one client a week. And it was very, she's, I don't know if she still is, I'm sure she is, but very business minded and orientated. Um, whereas I obviously at that point still wasn't there, but, you know, still had a good time and learned a lot. And that actually again spurred me on to find something better, which I did. And uh, I basically got a job with a group of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons this time. Really big guys. Everyone knows them. And I worked with them for about 10 years in London Bridge Hospital. And I was only working with what I wanted to do, which was sports injuries and biomechanics. So it was all great in the beginning. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. Learned so much from these guys. They're like, they know their stuff. Um, but, you know, I... <laughs> I became comfortable and I don't like that. Everything started to become very predictable, especially in terms of treating patients and clients. You know, people would come in and the treatment, what I was saying was very similar to everyone. Like, okay, yeah, you've got this, that, pronation, this. You know, I would do all the assessment, biomechanical assessment, gait analysis, all this stuff. But the treatment was the same. Here are a pair of orthotics, go and try them. They come back and say, yes, my symptoms are much better. So I'm like, Yes, I've done a great job. But then it's like, okay, come back two years later and let's replace these. And it was just the same story. And I, I was just like, I, I don't understand when does anything else happened here. Like, I don't, I just knew that this wasn't it. Mm. And I was, I was becoming really kind of uh, slightly unhappy, to be honest, uh, in that sense. Um, but this was, say, about three, four years in with these guys working with these um, surgeons. And at this time, this is where the personal kind of story comes in, is that I get pregnant. And, you know, the thought of pregnant, of giving birth was super frightening. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? But obviously, frightening. Let's get into it. Let's learn all about it. Yeah. Like, how am I going to do this thing? And luckily, we had, I have this place near me, which I think since COVID actually has shut. But obviously, I don't know. <laughs> I think it does. But, you know, obviously, I'm not in that world anymore so I don't know where they've gone but a place called Active Birth Center which is basically yoga and education yoga for pregnancy and, and education and that literally saved, saved everything but also opened so many avenues that you know I just I can't imagine you know how it was just so powerful I'll tell you a little bit about it so basically in these sessions what we would do is we would do lots of yoga for pregnancy, open up our hips. And then half of the session would be sitting down on the floor with a model. The teacher would take the pelvis, the baby, be like, you know, showing us all what, what happens during birth and how is the most natural thing for any woman to give birth. And, you know, every, you know, there's, uh, women have been giving birth for centuries and we didn't need help before. And, you know, I know Obviously, a small percentage of, of women will need some kind of assistance, medical, medical assistance. But for most of us, we can be, give birth naturally without any assistance. So when I hear this, and I didn't know any of this, and they're just giving you all this knowledge, going, like all, giving you all this training, that what's going to happen at each phase during your birthing um, journey and stuff. And, you know, I, I feel like... When you're about to give birth or when you go through that, it's, it's a proper event. You know, it's not something that you shouldn't think about or whatever. And I feel like I trained for it. So I trained for it and my body did exactly what it was meant to do. 
And this was so powerful. And that's when I started building this trust that my body can do anything that I teach it with the right information, with the right stimulation, you know, it can do it. So that was amazing. And I think, yeah, that, that basically opened up all this, this can of worms when it comes to feet. Because, you know, in one hand, I'm saying to my clients, like, you know, I guess we've fed this idea that feet, you know, for feet to function properly, we need to support them long term. But <laughs> as we know now, for feet to be strong and resilient, we need to expose them, expose them to different surfaces, different environment, different stimulation, different information. That's how we get strong and re resilient feet, not by wrapping them in this um, cotton wool, if you will. You know, it's just, it's crazy. So I, I just, for me, uh, I, I just thought this is amazing. But again, I didn't know how to apply it really to my everyday work or anything like that. And so did that, that's all good. But um, I also started having some issues with my, my feet, with my own foot health. I started developing kind of plantar fasciitis, shin pain every time I ran, um, bunion on the left side, a cyst on top of the bunion, which, and I couldn't understand it. I was like, I'm a podiatrist. I'm the foot lady here. Why is this happening to me? Mm. Like, I'm trying to do everything. I've got my orthotics, which I couldn't really wear because they were so uncomfortable. I was like, what's going on? Um, and I was really frustrated at that point. And I could just sense this thing that is within me that I'm saying one thing to my clients, but I'm not doing that myself. And I, it's just a bit of a hypocrite, basically. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Like, this doesn't feel, feel good, basically. And I, although I, I do feel like I was providing good service and caring for these patients, I just, you know, it wasn't me. And at that point, I was like, okay, when it gets to 10 years of being in this hospital space, I'm going to leave that and I'm going to go in the wellness space because I love wellness and I know that's such a massive term, but I'm very conscious of what I eat and how I move and what I give to my kids and, you know, my thoughts and my everything else, you know. So, um, and it's funny because that, thought, that dichotomy of the world of treat, diagnosing and treating symptoms of disease versus the world of like you call wellness, I call healthcare. And I think we often mis, uh, mislabel disease care as healthcare. And I think that's part of the problem because people think we have a healthcare system when in reality, the system that revolves around diagnosing and treating disease has actually nothing to do with health and everything to do with trying to just patch up problems as they come up, but not actually ever trying to get to the root cause and actually solving the problems. And I think it's actually a, a self-terminating system because everyone literally just ends up sick in pain and getting just enough treatment to to make it to make their daily life livable, um, but never actually coming to understand where the source of the problems are, and feeling empowered that they can actually make lifestyle changes to resolve them. And I really have a lot of uh, respect and and receive a lot of inspiration from professionals who are able to go through that hero's journey of because not only do you have to um, you know have some sort of insight to bring you out of the disease care world, you actually have to have the courage to unlearn a lot of what you've paid to learn and a lot of time and energy has been spent to learn these things. And you actually have to, not only do you have to 
sort of shift your mindset to one where the body is capable and just needs the right inputs to adapt properly from this mindset of the body is incapable and mu- and requires help. But you actually have to like really let go of what you've learned and sort of allow yourself, give yourself permission and have an open, curious mind to actually relearn how do I actually do this in my own life and how do I actually apply this to help the people that are coming to see me? So uh, a lot of respect to you and to anyone else who's listening to this that has gone through the hero's journey of being trained as a disease care professional, feeling that something isn't right, maybe going through their own personal experience that has really uh, you know, reinforced that thinking. Because I think everyone that I've talked to that has come to this new healthcare perspective all have a personal story where they're like, I was doing everything I was trained to do on myself and it wasn't working. And so I knew something wasn't right. And you kind of get this this moment where, like you said, you're doing this thing you're trained to do and you're helping people with the best intentions. And then you have this sort of uncomfortable realization that maybe that's not the best way to do things. So what do I do now? (laughs) Because my salary depends on me treating the way I used to. And now I have to like take this, uh, you know, I have to have the courage to take this leap into the unknown. Um, But also just relying on my gut and my heart that this is the right way to go, even though I don't know really where I'm going or what I'm doing. And I think one thing we're trying to do at TFC is unite all these professionals that are starting to take that journey together and have and facilitate conversations so that a podiatrist that's at the very start of their journey can hear the story of someone like you and be like, oh, I'm not the only one. And there actually is a path forward. And the hope is that podcasts like this help empower them to either connect with people like yourself um, or just to feel that there is an alternate path and it's not this unknown. So um yeah, yeah. So keep. So yeah. Keep going. So what what happens Thank next? You. Yeah. Next is that I come almost to my ten year of being at this uh, hospital space, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go and retrain. I'll leave my profession. I'm not happy here. I was on. You know, I didn't know what else to do with it. And I thought, okay, I'll go and do a yoga trapeze uh, uh, course uh, to teach, um, which I did. Really enjoyed it. And I thought maybe you never know, I could bring that in into the podiatry. And I already was thinking I could bring it in and implement all those kind of movements and strength training into my clients, but I still just didn't have a framework, if you will. And and I did that. I, I left my job, <laughs> did my my uh, my course. And at the same time, I find found you guys on Instagram, which is another crazy thing because I wasn't much into Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and I never really posted anything of kind of my life. Um, and, you know, and when you and Gate Happens and Correct Toes were talking about feet and explaining it how you do, like literally my whole world opened up like this and the penny dropped, like the big penny dropped and it just went pew like this and everything fitted together like this. I just, it makes me so emotional even talking about it. And I was just like, wow, like this is what I wanted to do. Like this is everything. And yeah, and it, it was amazing. Every, everything that you said made so much sense. Um, yeah, and you've been my mentor actually, virtually. <laughs> you probably don't know that, but you've been for many people. So that's a, that's great. So I literally am so grateful to you guys, all of you for sharing 
your passion, because you are obviously passionate, because you can tell, and your knowledge, and, and, and just giving it to all of us who needed it so badly. So yeah, um, and then did that, but then COVID hit, mm. and I was at home, which gave me a chance to do all the courses in the world. <laughs> your course online, Gate, Gate Happens course online, every course in foot health there. You know, and I learned a lot, it gave me a bit of confidence, but then obviously I had to put it in practice and I opened my website, I opened my little Instagram account and I was like, okay, I'll do this and that, at least it's a world I know, it's not something completely different because obviously at that point I was ready to just go to somewhere, you know, just change my profession completely. And I know it just sounds a bit kind of maybe... I don't know, oh, like such a drama queen about your, you know, bad life or whatever profession in the London Bridge Hospital. But I, I just wasn't happy. Like, you know, people, I guess, can make their own minds or assumptions. Or I actually think I see it differently. I, just, I think it's incredibly inspiring because the amount of people in the disease care world who don't find a sense of meaning or purpose and are just basically going through the mundane motions of it's like every day, rinse, repeat, knowing that. You know, I think, I think a lot of disease care professionals know that something's not right, but the discomfort they feel in their work life hasn't yet reached a point that matches the difficulty of change. Right? Like my, my philosophy is all humans change through pain or curiosity. Some, a small fraction of people are curious enough to change on their own accord without experiencing a huge amount of pain, but the majority of people, you know, change is really hard and the bigger the change, the harder it is. And I think the ultimate change is actually to move away from a profession you've invested potentially a decade or more of your life learning about practicing mastering um, and dropping that and moving into something different because, uh, because you're seeking meaning and purpose in life. And I think, you know, there's, like I said, there's that balance where some people have to experience so much pain that going to work is so hard because it's just not meaningful. Um, that that when that pain over uh, overcomes the difficulty of changing professions, that's when they change. Uh, and it sounds like for you, it was almost a mixture of the discomfort of lack of meaning, but also you had that curiosity element where you were into. And it's almost it's funny because you initially chose between physio and podiatry, and it seems like now they've sort of coalesced so that they're not actually very different, right? And I think a movement yeah. professional, a health professional with a specialty in movement. Um, and maybe a specialty and focus on feet. I think that when that's done in the most effective manner, and you look at two individuals who are treating one's a physio, one's a podiatrist, it's actually should be really hard to know the difference of who's who, because the yeah. way that you approach that is really to educate and empower and get people moving and get them giving their bodies the natural inputs that are required in order for their bodies to transform starting at the feet. And so, yeah, I find it interesting that you had to choose initially, but now they sort of blended together where they're actually not that different. Yeah, well, I think it was that incentive, which still goes on today with the orthotics. Mm. It, that, that kind of, I guess, lured me in. You're like, yeah, you know, we'll give you this grant, come and do this course. And, you know, and that, that I think that's obviously the, still the world today because of kind of the orthotic incentive, you know, you know, selling this product, which we were taught in, you know, um, I did and, and I'm, you know, maybe, you know, talking about money is a bit weird, but I did make a lot of money and 
and and I probably still don't make as much as I used to. But for me, that's not as important, really. For me, it's, you know, that's important because I'm giving my time and my job. But I think I'll get there. I'm still, my business is still young and, you know, it's getting there. Um, but, um, you know, <laughs> I had a, a colleague, physio actually, who said to me, Back in the day, oh, I wish I was a podiatrist. Not like, why? Like, I would have paid my mortgage by now. <laughs> like, literally. Um, so, so COVID you know, hits. We're known for make. Yeah. You start doing all these courses. You start just absorbing information after you get kind of this inspiration that there's an alternate way, and and then so maybe from COVID until now, like, what has the path and trajectory been? What have the challenges been? And yeah, like, bring us to where you're at today. Um, and then maybe we can start to discuss, you know, you on your website, mm. um, you basically say mm. that you practice functional podiatry. So let's bring us up to today and then let's talk about mm. maybe functional podiatry. Uh, first of all, what it is, how you define it, and then maybe how it mm. differs from conventional podiatry. Um, so yeah, let's go from COVID when you first started mm -hmm. your website, Instagram until where you're at today, mm. uh, fill us in on, on that part of the story. Yeah. So I started my, my business and, you know, I'm in this, uh, basically the space, the, the only, I, the only kind of service that I provide at the moment, because I've got two kids and I'm a quite you know, busy mom and I try and kind of be present with them as well. Um, is that I see patients kind of one-to-one -one and basically I built that gradually. I, I rent space from this healthcare and wellness professional, uh, um, space in, in Soho, which is quite new. So basically you rent space there. It's not your clinic. Um, I did rent a clinic full time, but there I was there twice a week and it didn't make sense, business sense. So this new space opened, um, and you, you rent space for a clinic or room there when, you, when you're there and have a nice gym and everything else. So I work from there. I see clients one to one, um, and virtually and, and kind of that's it at the moment. And then any kind of Instagram stuff that I'm doing is to, I guess, you know, raise, raise awareness about foot health and, um, and, you know, educate people. So, um, you know, it's taken its time a little bit because, like I said, I wasn't involved in kind of Instagram or social media before. So it is kind of a, a new skill to learn, you know, how to, you know, create content and post and all this stuff. It's, it, I didn't find it easy, uh, quite time consuming when, you know, my work hours are really nine to three. Uh, then I've got to go and pick up the kids from school and then that's my life. Uh, so it's not a lot of hours in a day for me. Um, I try and work obviously weekends when I'm trying to, you know, get back to patients, emails, things like that. But uh, work now looks very different. Um, you know, um, you know, I've had to obviously unlearn so much and it's not been easy. But obviously having this amazing community online and I... You know, obviously, in in England, there, there are not many like me. I guess I don't know. There might be, but I haven't seen many podiatrists. So it's really hard because you do feel a little bit alone. But then I do have this virtual world and community where I feel like I'm not not really alone, and I can reach out to Andy, Brian, if I wanted to, or someone to ask for help, or you know what have you. But um, you know, it's. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been challenging. It's just kind of a bit of trial and error as well. And also this concept that I'm not really kind of treating patients as such. You know, they're coming to me 
I am assessing them, of course, and but a lot of it is education. You know, I'm kind of, you know, I sit down and I, I spend an hour with all my patients, new patient and follow-ups, because it takes a bit of time to explain everything, and I don't want to rush and stuff like that. So um, nowadays, it's, it's it's very much most of it is education. What is the foot kind of meant to do? What the job of the foot is? That's how I start talking about it. So. I can explain what's going on in their feet and maybe why they have that pain or whatever. And then obviously footwear is a massive subject. And what I find is that a lot of my clients, it's like half and half. Someone can come and see me because of my approach and they're already in, you know, in the kind of barefoot shoes or whatever. And they don't want to go see a podiatrist who's potentially going to offer them an orthotic or people who obviously don't know what I do exactly and they come in and it's a bit like what <laughs> what are you talking about and sometimes at first you, you feel like oh are they getting it but I know deep down I'm planting a seed in every of those people and I don't mean to be in like malicious way where I'm planting a seed but I think even if they don't get it there I actually had quite a, a good client that came from London Bridge when I used to work to see me and at first he didn't get it and then I got back to him he went away and I texted him and emailed him to say, to see what, what he, how he was doing. And then he tells me that he's done everything I told him and he's much better. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you didn't give me those messages before. So it's amazing, you know, when I hear things like that. Um, so yeah, it, you know, now, you know, it looks, yeah, that's, that's how it, how it looks now, basically. We wanted to take a quick break from the episode to let you know about our ultimate free foot health resource. If you're listening, you've probably already started the journey towards improving your foot and movement health, but if you're still wearing conventional shoes most of the time, that's anything cushioned, heeled, narrow or rigid, it's kind of like taking one step forward and two steps back. Knowing what shoe is right for you though can be super confusing. That's why we made the Guide to Foot Freedom. We've taken everything our team of foot health experts have learned over the years and synthesized it into one handy manual, packed with all you need to know about unleashing the natural power of your foundation. You'll learn how to understand your feet, the truth about modern footwear, the five Fs for finding natural footwear, plus a step-by-step guide with training videos to help you assess your foot function and improve it so you can safely and seamlessly transition into shoes that will finally give your feet freedom. The best part is, like I said, it's absolutely free. Just head to thefootcollective.com and click learn to find the free ebook, The Guide to Foot Freedom. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Amazing. And I think that's using education as the primary, let's call it treatment for now, uh, as the primary treatment approach is I think the way we solve this disease problem, right? Because when I think self-care fundamentally is healthcare. Like when you really dig down, it's like, what? okay, disease care is the diagnosis and treatment of disease. And I think there is an important part for disease care to be part of our world. For, you know, if I break my arm, I want want there to be disease care available so that I can go and get my arm reset, right? By by a physician. and so I think there's a place, but I think it's probably maybe 10% of what it is today, because I think most disease care is simply um, applying short-term 
fixes to mitigate symptoms without ever dealing with the root cause, which actually makes it worse because mm -hmm. people think they're getting treatment, but really all they're getting is the superficial symptom management, not actually anything that helps them move towards symptom resolution. And so I think this idea that spending one-on-one, -on -one, high quality, present time with uh, someone who comes to see you and sort of being their guide, right? Being their guide to help them navigate, uh, understanding how footwear affects the foot, understanding how the way they live their lives and their movement, uh, new, you know, their movement nutrition, how much movement they actually expose their body to and helping them understand that actually a really diverse movement diet is actually what's required in order for your body to function and adapt like it's supposed to, you know, it takes time for that, for that seed to be nurtured and to grow. And that's really all we can do is point people to the right resources, share our experience, um, and plant the seed knowing that they're the ones who have to nurture it and who actually have to help that seed flourish. Um, and that's a fundamentally different approach. And I think developing a business model around that is sort of this unknown territory that I think is becoming more and more known as more practice like yourself, share your story and empowering other productors to maybe realize that, oh, there is an alternate way. It's, you know, it's going to require me to probably um, change the way I live because the same income might not be uh, immediately coming in by doing it this way. But, you know, if you balance out the income difference with the meaning and purpose difference uh, and the idea that, you know, like when as a physio, you're basically trained to think that people's health is your responsibility. And I think that's a very big, that's a very heavy thing to deal with. And so every day, you know, you're seeing eight to 10 patients a day, or at least that was what it was for me when I was in clinic. And it's very energy intensive, right? You're giving as much of your energy as possible to basically help this person uh, feel better. And it really just drains all your energy. And despite being making good money, you're still giving so much of your life force energy away that it's, it doesn't really leave much for actually living for your family or for yourself, even just to take care of yourself. So, you know, I knew a lot of physios who weren't actually very healthy because they didn't have the time to work on their own health or the energy. They were giving all their energy away to try and, you know, fix other people's health. Um, and this approach of being a guide and teaching is actually a fundamentally different energetic approach because you're no longer having to give all your energy away to take responsibility for others' health. You're just helping guide them to spend their own energy taking care of themselves. And so, yeah, it's like the difference yeah. in making less money, but also having all this excess uh, energy for yourself to take care of yourself, which allows you to learn more and then do better in terms of how you're guiding people. And I think eventually, like you said, it takes time to build a business and it takes patience and this Ooh. sort of long-term mindset. But eventually, you know, just hearing from Andy, it's like he's busier than he ever has been before. And he is, I think, mm. thriving in his work in a way that he never has yeah. before. And so it might take a bit of time to get there. But I, I think that's where we get to uh, if we mm. persevere. And, um, you know, word of mouth is this very powerful way of we're getting around to direct people to those who are doing the best work and empowering people the most. So I think another yeah. element of this, too, is this idea that people get sent to buy footwear. You know, I think the primary treatment modality uh, in terms of tools for foot specialists is directing people to, to natural footwear, to footwear that helps mm. people's feet heal. And just this idea that the retail space uh, is making all the money from footwear and often getting people into the wrong footwear, I think opens up this opportunity where, well, what if, what if podiatrists could be compensated to direct people to buying natural footwear? 
And the idea that every single year, everyone's buying several pairs of shoes. Most of them are buying the wrong kind. What if a podiatrist could make a lifetime commission on every pair of natural shoes that their patient purchased? Because I think that's actually directly aligned. If you believe the truth is that natural footwear helps people restore foot health, what if we just did a swap where instead of making money from orthotics, the tool that podiatrists make money from is natural footwear because that aligns directly with positive health outcomes. And I think for that, that ends up being something where the income potential of a natural podiatrist or, or a, a functional podiatrist actually exceeds that of a conventional podiatrist because people buy shoes every year, forever. And if we can, you know, at TFC, what we're trying to do is facilitate relationships with natural footwear companies say, hey, the sales team for your footwear isn't the traditional, isn't the 20-year-old who's selling shoes in a retail store. It's actually the professionals who are educating people about why natural footwear is important and where to get it from. And I think that's a really interesting business opportunity for podiatry to sort of make the switch from, you know, orthotics that are very expensive and maybe and don't align with natural restoring natural foot function to the tool of choice is natural footwear that protects people's feet but allows them to restore healthy feet. So I guess question for you is, you know, how big is the footwear conversation with the patients you're working with? And how has natural footwear sort of impacted you in your own personal life? Um yeah. Yeah, massive. Um so at that time when I was still working at the hospital and going through this dilemma, I was like, okay, let me go. And cause obviously I, by then, no, uh, you know, I was hearing all about what you were saying and all the other great accounts out there. And I was like, okay, let me go to Vivo Barefoot. They have a shop in London. I'll go there, get a shoe, some shoes for myself. And let's try this out. And like I said, at that time I was having problems. I had plantar fasciitis on my left, on my right, shin pain every time I ran this bunion and in my generally speaking i've always been so uncomfortable in shoes i don't know it's like it's always been like oh my food my feet what's what's wrong with my feet because i've always traveled with plasters always used to travel not anymore because at the back of my heel they all the shoes rub no matter what shoe was you could have your sneakers trainers asics whatever you know meant to be good for you or your your kind of um brogues or your you know sensible shoes but I was always so uncomfortable. So I was like, okay, let me, let me go and try these out. And I did. And seriously, I, I just, it seemed like now, it seems like it was such a short time, but now I'm sure it was a few months that without doing any foot restoration or any, anything like that, all my symptoms went away. My bunion didn't correct at that point. I've had to work on it. But in terms of my symptoms, um, and obviously then I worked into strengthening and mobilizing my feet, but in terms of symptoms, I feel like within two months, maybe it was a bit longer, all my symptoms went away. I didn't have plant fasciitis. I didn't have pain in my bunion. The cyst I developed on the medial side of my foot on the abductor hallucis tendon muscle just before the first MTP joint, I, I was developing like quite a big cyst. I went to my colleague sports doctor, he had an ultrasound machine in his clinic. I said, please, can you just ultrasound this? Tell me what's going on with my foot. I don't know what's happening. He did. And he was like, oh, it's nothing sinister. It's, it's a cyst. And I was like, why is it that? He said, I don't know. I was like, oh, great. Okay. So at, so at this point, my cyst is getting bigger and I'm really worried about it because I, you know, it was uncomfortable and painful. Wear <laughs> Vivo Barefoot shoes 
And at first, they obviously felt massive. <laughs> My foot was swimming in them. I was like, whoa, this is a different feeling. But straight away, my symptoms go away. My gait improves. I'm lighter when I walk, you know, because I was like, I can't pound the pavement anymore. <laughs> like I used to, like bam, bam, bam. And seriously, I mean, I don't want to sound like it was like magical, but it, to me, it was. And that's why you know, I did I did the, you know, the experiments on myself first. <laughs> I was like, this works. This is working. I know it's one person, but then it's all these other people saying the same thing. And that's what really kind of, it was empowering. And, you know, it, it, it just, I developed this trust that, yeah, my feet are strong. They're capable of doing what they're meant to do. But, you know, they need looking after. And, and when it comes to footwear, that's absolutely major. Because we wear them. If we didn't wear them, they would not be major at all. But because we spend so much time in footwear, they are the treatment. <laughs> they are not orthotics, not <laughs> footwear, basically. They are the treatment. You know, that's the therapy is the, the footwear. Because you still have to wear them, protect your feet from the environment. But they're not, you know, affecting your function or your shape or your alignment or anything like that. And they are, they, they have so much power. And I just always want to, I, I share my passion, but with so many people who want to speak about it. I don't just go, Laura, you're natural footwear, you know, when I, we had a dinner party, whenever I, people ask me, what, what do I do? And they want to tell me about the problem. And, and if they want to talk about it, I, I do go into the footwear quite deeply. And often people actually do resonate and, you know, they go and get them. And I had a, uh, my husband's colleague recently, he told me she'd gone to Viva Baffert and got the shoes. I was like, really? Oh, <laughs> from a conversation we had at a, a dinner party. I was like, great. I love that. So, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because it, it's not necessarily that the shoes do the healing. Mm. It's that the shoes offer your body the opportunity to heal itself. Like the body literally always wants to heal itself and organize itself efficiently. Uh, the issue is the body organizes based on the environment we expose it to. And if the environment you expose your foot to is one that is stiff, compressed, pointed, rigid, uh, with an elevated heel, your body impartially just adapts to that environment. And so the toes come in, your Achilles shortens, all of these weird things happen um, as a direct effect of the footwear you're wearing. So not, you know, it's kind of this interesting paradox where the biggest problem in the world of foot health, in my opinion, is unnatural footwear. And also the biggest solution and opportunity is natural footwear. So shoes are both the problem and the solution. And I think it was actually you that came up with this term footwear therapy uh, a mm. while back. And I think that was so powerful because it really is that resonates deeply in, in my soul where it's like, yes, footwear is the therapy. And the beauty about that is you don't actually have to do more stuff, right? Like you literally just have to subtract the unnatural shoes, wear footwear that aligns with foot function. And your body does all the heavy lifting and all the work because every step you take is allowing it to reorient itself around natural function where your body is resilient, strong, mobile, adaptable. Um, and it's just funny how you can, you know, plant a little seed about the importance of natural footwear at a dinner conversation. If someone actually goes and buys a shoe, the seed that you planted, the advice you gave actually is treating their feet every single step they take if they're wearing the right shoes. And I think that's an incredibly empowering thing. Uh, and also really is scalable, right? And that's kind of what mm. drew me out of the in-person treatment realm and into this, you know, digital realm where 
you know, I can spend my energy working one-on-one with people every day and maybe see a thousand patients a year. And I can post something about what to look for in terms of shoes that I can help a thousand people in a second. And it's just Mm -hmm. this incredibly scalable approach where yes, there are still people who need one-on-one help. And, and I think there's, that's an important part of this, Mm. but the idea that, you know, people like yourself can create content and not get paid for it, but do it because they want to number one, sharpen their ability to explain these concepts. And number two, Mm. trust that by putting that into the world, it will reach people that you would never expect and help them in ways that you might never fully understand. But there's a sense of trust where it's like, if I was impacted, by some social media posts from people, um, maybe I can be the one impacting others through the content that mm-hmm. I share. And I really love your content because everyone has a slightly different way of <laughs> of sharing the message, right? A different way of wording it, a different way of creating graphics. And it's almost like we mm-hmm. we meld our personality with the, the information we're putting out there. And probably someone's gonna resonate with the way you explain it more than the way I explain it based on who they are um, the relatability of the person and the, and the way of explaining it. So I think this mm. notion of there being this global team foot health where anyone who is, um, educating people about footwear, creating footwear, treating people one-on-one in alignment with education and sort of this philosophy of empowerment. Um, we are collectively team foot health. And I think together we have a lot more influence and power to really help people accept the sense of responsibility that their foot health, number one, it's possible to increase their foot health regardless of age or current state. And number two, that it actually can be incredibly simple. So um, where did the, so on your website, uh, you sort of explain that what you practice is functional podiatry. Hmm. Um, you know, I guess, how do you define in, in one or two sentences, maybe like in really a, a brief um, sort of snippet, how do you define functional podiatry and what would you say is the biggest difference between functional podiatry and conventional podiatry for someone who might be listening and doesn't really understand the, the difference? Yeah. So the way I use functional podiatrists uh, and natural podiatrists actually interchangeably. Okay. So they kind of mean to me, it's very similar things and it's all about improving function and empowering clients or patients to to take ownership of their own health and and not just foot health but their their health in general because this is basically a lifestyle Mm. thing as well it's not just your feet uh and certainly has been in my case as well my personal uh story but and also just kind of bringing in that body as close to its natural state as, as possible, you know, because we have this natural state and we, we're really moving away from it with all this, you know, symptom treatment and thinking that the body doesn't know what it's doing and, you know, really aggressively treating our body when we can be a bit more gentle with it, <laughs> give it time uh, and have this trust that it will do what it's meant to do. And as you say, it has a self-healing and self-organizing you know we have this system uh providing you you give it the right information um and feed it with the the right stimulation then it will go and and do exactly that and that's been proven to me time and time again to be honest it's not just this one you know when i talked and 
wanted to give that, share that story about my pregnancy. And that's where this all started. And I'm like, wow, the body's freaking amazing. Yeah. Like, seriously, I, yeah, you can't, we have this intelligence within us and you can't say that we don't, you just can't. It's too, too many people out there that are doing exactly this and they've had amazing results, amazing health and lifestyle, living the lifestyles they want, you know? So it's very powerful. And that's why I'm so passionate what I do now from a point where I kind of back in the day, if somebody asked me what I did, I kind of, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Like, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm a podiatrist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I couldn't be bothered. And I'm like, yeah. And I say I'm a functional podiatrist. I don't say just bad. <laughs> nice. um, and then they go, oh, what's that? And you know, so I'm really passionate about it now because it, you know it's opened many worlds to me as well. You know, just being more in tune with myself and my body and my senses, and just being grateful about what we have. And you know, it's just it's a much it's much bigger than just feet. Mm. And if there is a let's say curious conventional podiatrist that is still um, doing what they're trained to do. And I think it's also important to also note that the way there, change is the only constant, right? There are no constants, mm. only change. Um, and this notion that when we know better, we do better. And it actually mm. says nothing about, you know, there's no guilt or shame associated with the way we formally did things, knowing that we can do things better. It doesn't say we're doing things wrong or doing things bad. It just means that we're evolving our thinking. And so I think... Um, in my brain, there's always this sort of asterisk to say like, just because you're doing things, you learn different or you do things different, it doesn't mean that what you're doing before was wrong. Everyone is doing their best at all times. And, yeah. you know, the sad reality is that most professionals get deeply ingrained into the way, into the business models and the treatment methods that they were trained to do, that it becomes very hard. There's like this gravitational pull, right? Where the longer you've done something a certain way, the higher the gravitational field is to keep you locked into that. Um, it might be uh, there, there's financial elements. There's also just the fear of the unknown where it's like, I can't possibly change now because I've done something for so long. So if there is a curious podiatrist that's listening to this, who is treating in conventional ways as a conventional practice, you know, what would you say to that individual um, to sort of give them a different perspective or maybe give them hope that change is possible? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> Um, number one, I would say um, they have, you know, if they if they don't know if this will work or they're not confident about it, is to do their own self exploration. You know, go and get, I guess, a pair of minimalist shoes or you know, transition slowly if you will, if you want. But you know, do the work yourself and see how that helps you. And and start slowly with some of your patients. You can still do what you 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 want to do and say maybe offer orthotics or whatever. But maybe have that exit strategy in mind that, you know, we're going to give you this, but in, say in, in a year, year's time, let's give it a bit longer. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to try and rehab, rehab your feet and get them back to, you know, their normal function. Because obviously with orthotics, we're treating symptoms, but we're not doing anything to the function of, of the foot and, and the rest of the body, the kinetic chain. So I think do your own experiment, <clears throat> see it for yourself, and then maybe even start with your loved ones at home, which I did as well. All my family are in, in, in uh, Vivos now or whatever, you know, barefoot shoe 
and I've seen massive changes in their feet as well. Um, and, you know, if this is, if this resonates with you, which I think, you know, it, it will, it should do, you know, this is kind of working towards a, it's, it's a really mini, meaningful job. And I think once you do it, and I think if you have that passion there for it, then I think you don't kind of need any convincing. Um, for me, you know, I was, you know, not fulfilled, I guess, at that time. And I had all my issues going on. And I think that's got kind of what spurred everything on. But I think a lot of podiatrists might be comfortable where they are. You know, they might be fine with what they have. And But I think in any profession, we have to evolve. It doesn't matter what profession you are. As a person, you have to evolve. We are we're always learning about ourselves and our worlds and our profession, you know, and the more we know, the better. So I, I also think that there is no reason. There's so much information out there that, you know, good information as well that, you know, I feel like if you're curious, you know, you can go and learn and apply some of it and reach out to us, obviously, if you need any help, because it is, this is a great community. For me, it's been really great because the support online and, you know, having kind of meetings with Andy regularly and, and, and all that stuff has really helped me just become more confident with what I do. And I think obviously with practice and experience, that naturally happens. Um, but I think when it comes to changing our profession and, and evolving it, because it, it really, fe I feel like it does need evolving on, a, on so many levels, but I think we need to introduce it almost to, 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 the, to the educational level. So before we pop them out <laughs> that kind of traditional view and, and training, I think we need to almost go in and offer or design um, some kind of module, natural podiatry, natural footwear, and one that really missed, which is another thing that I need to, to mention really, is to learn how to rehab foot and ankle uh, more in terms of progressive loading and exercise programs and things like that. Because what I found frustrating before, which is still actually happens today, is that you get a referral orthopedic or whoever, and they say, oh, go and see Rena for orthotics and go and see this physio for foot ankle rehab. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the foot the lady and foot and ankle specialist. Why can't I do that? Like, yep. I want to do that. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'm not an orthotist. I didn't train as an orthotist. I don't want to give, this is, this was my kind of mentality back in the day as well. And I still get these letters and I'm like, well, I can do this. You know, I don't, number one, need to give them orthotics. But so we have to kind of obviously teach other healthcare professionals, of course, also go down to the kind of university and, and have these modules. And then hopefully that will breed, <laughs> you know, people with all of this in, Mind because I feel like once it's all set in and they go into the NHS and work and there's you know NHS pay well you know they, you get good pension, um, good holiday pay the pay is not bad you know they actually pay really really good and it's such an incentive and you just you know it's all around you it's people are paying money you money to to do what you're trained to do so it really you're going against the the force <laughs> mm. you know I feel like I really and kind of on my own as well always have gone against the tide, if you will. So it's not easy, but if you really feel passionate about it, 
you really want to make a difference and, and just change the way you practice. It's boring. What are you going to do that all your life? Like I, I myself feel like I'm, I'll do this one-to-one -one for a bit longer, but then I'll probably move out of it and do more scalable kind of stuff, you know, online or whatever. So it's not forever, you know, and it shouldn't be. You know, you can't stay in one position all your life or doing the same thing. It gets boring. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. It's just about kind of getting out there and doing it and helping others see what I see or what we see. Yeah. And all you have to do really is, I love what you said about just grab a pair of natural shoes and actually do your own experiments. Because I think mm. a really core philosophy of the, you know, the 21st century health professional is lead by example. Like the healthy people should be those who are guiding others to health. Um, and I think that goes very, that's very different than the current disease care world where actually uh, the disease care system is so inefficient and ineffective that the burden is actually on the professionals who who put themselves last, right? They, these people go into this world of helping others with the best intentions. And they literally, you know, I was least healthy when I was a physio practicing conventionally uh, because I just didn't have any energy for myself. And I didn't really have the drive to learn how to take care of myself um, because I, my, my career was all based around treating disease. And yeah, just the idea that, you know, my hope is that in the future, not only can a revenue stream from natural footwear equal orthotics, but it can actually far exceed orthotics. Because yeah. this notion that if you are the first individual that steers someone towards natural footwear, and you know, like I said, our goal at TFC is to facilitate relationships with all the natural footwear providers so that we can create a code for every individual health professional that we work with that essentially like what if every single pair of natural shoes that every patient you ever interacted with paid you a small amount as a thank you, as an incentive for you having directed them to natural footwear? And if you just think about that and the amount of footwear people wear and the amount of people you can impact digitally and in person, this idea that you could make your full income from 10 or $20 per pair of shoes that you've steered someone towards in, in terms mm -hmm. of natural footwear that's a very interesting business model compared to the current status quo. And actually, I think right now it's not so, but I think it's moving towards that. Mm. Not only should healthcare be as profitable as an endeavor, as a business endeavor, as disease care, it should be far more profitable because I think health is actually far more valuable than symptom treatment fundamentally. We just have to connect the dots and make the business model work. So um, that's 60 yeah, minutes. I want to be, I want to be sensitive to your awesome. time. So <laughs> You know, if anyone wants yeah. to find more about you, uh, what you do, or reach out on the internet, what's the best way uh, to find you? Um, either through my website, reenaharris.com, or uh, Instagram only, <laughs> um, Rena B. Harris, or the functional podiatrist. Uh, you can email me or DM me, whatever you want, and I'd be happy to help. Amazing. And before we sign off, do you have anything? that you want to say before we finish this off. Very grateful for your time and for you sharing your story. I think it's very interesting that I love the idea that your pregnancy really opened up the door to understanding that the body is capable of so much more. Uh, I think that's a really powerful insight. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful for you sharing the, the journey from where you were to where you're at now. Um, and is there anything you want to leave people with before we finish up? Um. 
I just want to say a uh, kind of a huge thank you to again you guys for you know starting this uh, this putting this into motion and bringing it to uh, the social media space where everyone can access it and you know I, I'm just super grateful and happy where I am and want to learn more and there's never enough time to learn more I feel like there's so much more to learn which is amazing because that's that's yeah that's cool and yeah so thank you so much for your time as well I know you're busy very busy so no worries it's always a treat having these conversations and yeah thank you for creating content and for being on team foot health because I think every month that goes by kind of learn about more people and more companies doing great things to further the foot health mission and really empower people whether it's making footwear or putting it education so Thanks for being part of that. To everyone listening, thanks for being here and for your attention. We hope you enjoyed that podcast uh, and we will catch you next time. Ciao for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Restore to Explore podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review wherever you're listening. That's the best way to support us and to help us reach more people. If you're after more free TFC education or training, looking for any of our TFC tools, natural footwear discounts, or you want specialized guidance on your foot health journey from a trusted TFC health professional, head to thefootcollective.com. All of the important links are in the show notes of the episode.